Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2 this morning, we're going to talk about finding joy as we continue our Christmas series, finding hope, peace, joy, and love this Christmas season. So in the text this morning, we're going to see three reasons as to why the birth of Jesus Christ is cause for joy this morning. So remember, as we approach Christmas this year, we're looking at finding hope, peace, joy, and love. And so we've already looked at the passages where we find hope and peace, and this morning we're going to find joy in Luke chapter 2. Now Luke chapter 2 is probably the most well-known account of the Christmas story. It is probably the most popular Christmas message that has ever been preached, Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 20, that we're going to look at this morning. As a matter of fact, I know for a fact that Antioch is looking at this passage this morning, and Gary and I were at first priority uh, just this past Tuesday and we kind of joked that almost every one of the children represented by probably 15 different churches in the area were all going to be looking at this passage either this Sunday or next Sunday as we oftentimes come to Luke chapter 2 to celebrate and to recognize the birth of Christ. Now because of that this is a very familiar passage. As a matter of fact I find that as I read this passage I'm jumping ahead because I know what's coming. I know the language I know the words. Matter of fact, if I switch versions, it it messes me up because I'm so used to reading it in the same version over and over and over again in the past many, many years of my life. And so we're going to see a familiar passage. We're going to see a passage that we know very, very well. But hopefully this morning as we look at this, God will speak to us in a new way. We'll see maybe a new truth or God will help us apply it in a new way to our life. And even if not, we're going to celebrate it afresh and anew this morning. Amen? Because the birth of Christ is something that, although we're familiar with, we should never take for granted. It should never get old to us. Amen? Right. Can I get a yippee or a woo? Right. Because that's what's going on with the birth of Christ this morning. If you're here on Wednesday nights, you got that. If not, you're like, what is going on? Luke chapter two, we're going to pick up in verse one, read verses one through 20 as we find joy in the birth of Christ this morning. Chapter two, verse one. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. For this was the first registration when Crenius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In verse 8, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened 
which the Lord has made known to us. The angel, excuse me, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy in our lives. We thank you that the greatest gift of grace that you ever gave was the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for this time of year that we get to pause and we get to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we look at this familiar passage this morning, Lord, I pray that it would be afresh and anew in our hearts and our minds. I pray that this will help us find our joy this Christmas season, a joy that is not based upon circumstances, but a joy that is based upon our relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would speak, that you would anoint, that your will would be done this morning, that you would be glorified in us and through us. Lord, we surrender render ourselves to you now and we ask for your will to be done in our lives it's in your holy name that we pray amen amen well in the text we're going to see three reasons as to why the birth of jesus christ is our source for joy this morning number one we can find joy through the birth of christ because god fulfilled his word let me say that again We can find joy through the birth of Christ because God fulfilled his word. Now, if you look back in verses 1 through 7, we begin to see this clearly take place in the text. In verse 1, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Crenius was governor of Syria. And for this registration, everyone had to return to their home or to their place of tribal origin and so for Mary and Joseph both being descendants of David that meant that they had to go back to Judea specifically to a little small town called Bethlehem to be registered for the registration now we know that this registration because it included the Jews was basically the IRS IRS gathering information for tax purposes right that's what was going on they were everybody was going home they were recounting getting a new look at the population so they could send out new tax numbers so everybody could get in their own tax bracket, if you will. And tax season was about to begin. We can kind of relate, right? We know that right after Christmas, all that stuff is coming as we start the new year. We wrap up the old year by doing our taxes. Well, basically, that's what's happening. Everybody's returning to their tribal home. And because of this, Mary and Joseph have to leave and return to Bethlehem. Now, remember, Bethlehem is a long way from where they're at. And Mary is with what? Child. Right there, there was there was no exemption apparently for pregnant women during the time. I remember when Carrie and I were expecting both of our children. There was a certain time when you were no longer allowed to travel. Right, thirty six weeks, whatever it was, you can't get on a plane after this date. Don't even get in the car after this date. Right, like like it's so close that you need to stay within a short trip of the hospital because the time is at hand, and so. God in his sovereignty is moving things according to his eternal plans and purposes. 
I want you to notice that in the text. This is not a coincidence. This is not an accident. This is God demonstrating and displaying His sovereign control over all things. I need a louder amen than that, right? I want you to understand God is in control of all things. He is completely and totally sovereign, and that's a good thing for us. Amen? That's a great thing for us. Oftentimes when we doubt the sovereignty of God or question the sovereignty of God, it's because we, for some reason, think that we'd be better off in control than God being in control. That is not true at all. God being in complete and total control is the best thing for us, and this text proves it because God in His sovereignty uses a Roman official, Caesar Augustus, to declare a registration so that everybody has to return to their own place of tribal origin. And why did God do this? He did it to keep His word. Remember what we looked at last week in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But you, Bethlehem Ephrath, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel." whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. Why in the world would Mary, pregnant with child, decide, let's go on a road trip, right? Not by car, not by bus, by train. Let's hoof it, right? Let's, let's get on a donkey and let's head to Bethlehem because I'm pregnant and it sounds like fun. No, God is sovereign. And God orchestrated the events of history in order for Mary to make her way to Bethlehem. Why? Because God had foretold long ago through the prophet of Micah that my ruler, my child, will be born in the little small town of Bethlehem. And God was moving the events of history, demonstrating his sovereignty because God is in control. God is going to fulfill his word. But it doesn't stop there. Look in verse 5. It says in verse 4, Joseph went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. Now that word betrothed isn't a word that's familiar to us But in Jewish custom, that word betrothed is basically their engagement period. Remember that it is a legally binding engagement period. It's not like our engagement where you can just call it off at a whim. It's a a legally binding contract, if you will, covenant, if you will, that binds the two together. But what we know from Matthew 1.25 is that Mary and Joseph had already been married at this point. They're, They're married. They're living together. Why does Luke refer to them still as betrothed? Because although they were married, they had not known each other physically in order for the prophecy of Isaiah 7.14 to be fulfilled without question. What does God say in Isaiah 7.14? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. So what is God doing? God is once again keeping his promises. And what is so great and so worthy of our praise and our celebration is that God didn't just keep these promises, God keeps all of his promises. Amen? God's promised that if we'll put our faith and trust in this promised Messiah, we will have eternal life. 
God has promised that if we, are, if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God has promised that one day Jesus is going to return and call us all back to his eternal home and our eternal home. Amen? That's, that's worthy of a yippee and a woohoo, right? That's exciting. And what it proves is that God keeps his word. He keeps his promises. And he has promised that this world is not all that there is. But there is an eternal life that awaits us if we've put our faith and trust in Jesus. And what we find in this text is that God is faithful. God is keeping his word. He foretold that he would send his son, the Messiah, born of a virgin to the city of Bethlehem. And that is exactly what he did. So when you look back now with me at verses 6 and 7, what do we find? We find God keeping his word. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. God is faithful. And because of that, we can put our faith and our trust in him and his son. So we first of all find joy through the birth of Christ because we know that God fulfilled his word. And then secondly, we can find joy through the birth of Christ because salvation was offered to all mankind. Look with me now in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Pause there for a minute and think about what's taking place here. Out, out in, a, in, a, in a field at night, shepherds are keeping watch over their flock. Now it's worth remembering, we looked at this last week briefly, that it had been 400 years since God had spoken to the nation of Israel. Now if you go back and you start in Luke chapter 1, you will find that God has spoken at this point to Zechariah and Elizabeth, the mom and dad of John the Baptist, Mary and Joseph. But other than those four, God had not spoken to anyone in 400 years as a part of God's divine judgment on the nation of Israel. And so needless to say, the shepherds weren't expecting to hear a word from God that night, right? Not only that, but remember that shepherds were ritualistically unclean because of the contact they had with the sheep. They were respected. Being a shepherd was a good job. It was a respectable position. But because of the contact they had with the animals, they were ritualistically unclean. God speaking to the shepherds was not an accident. It was a part of his sovereign choice. And what is God doing? After 400 years of silence, God does not come and speak to the religious elite God speaks to these shepherds and he says, unclean men, I've got a word for you. And what was that word? Look with me in verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. After 400 years, God has a message of hope and joy for all the people. The word all the people literally means every people or all nations. In other words, this good news is not just for the nation of Israel. This good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. This good news is for me and you. This good news is for every people of every tribe and every tongue of all the nations even to this day. Amen. This is good news of great joy for everybody. And they declare to them, verse 11, the good news. Look with me. For un, 
to you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For unto you is born. Notice the angels have a message from God and that message is a personal message to these shepherds. God has sent you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. God has sent someone to you to rescue you from your sins and save you from an eternal separation and death. God has sent a Savior to you. And that Savior is Christ the Lord. The term Christ means promised Messiah. Lord refers back to God. In other words, this Savior is the promised Messiah of God. And this Savior was sent again to you. Do not miss what's going on. Jesus Christ has an incredible message of good news and great joy for all the people. But all the people includes you personally. And this Jesus, remember, was not just a babe in a manger. He was the Son of God who took upon flesh to dwell among us. He wouldn't stay the babe in a manger, but he would live a perfect life that we cannot live. He would ultimately head to the cross to die on the cross, a death that we should have died, so that we, by putting our faith and trust in him, could have hope and eternal life. That's what God did for you. And I want you to notice the angels knew how big of a deal this is. I I love watching football, college football. It's the bowl season going on. So this is a time of of really massive excitement for college teams. And, And what I love watching is either at the beginning of the game or at the end of the game, before the game starts, the coach oftentimes has his team in the tunnel ready to explode onto the field. And the, the coach is, is there having to hold his players back as they're wanting to bust onto the scene. Or at the end of the game, when the game is over, they know the championship or whatever the bowl has been won, and they're all trying not to cross the sideline, that white line, before the game is ended. They're waiting for the buzzer to go off so that they and all their fans can flood the field. Right? It's an incredible moment of excitement and just, just celebration. Notice that happens in heaven. As the angels, who cannot be seen by us, but are around us at all the time, they're waiting for the moment that God says, you can do it. And they bust onto the scene, singing glory to God. What an incredible moment, Amen. And I can, I can see it in my mind as God is holding them back, saying, not yet, not yet, wait for it, wait for it. And the angel gives these shepherds the good news and then bursting onto the scene, they can't contain themselves any longer and they cry out, notice in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And I want you to understand, that's a message the world needs to know. That's a message that we need to receive and take into our hearts and let it change our lives. Because it's an important and incredible message. God loves us that much. God wants a relationship with us that badly. Amen. And he sent his son Jesus to come to this earth, to live among us, ultimately to die on our behalf. And the angels are declaring to the shepherds this great news of notice. 
great joy. The heavenly hosts knew and understood what the birth of Christ meant. They knew that it was worth something to praise God for, something they had been longing to see, something they had been waiting to happen. God was finally, finally doing what everyone had been hoping for for all these years. Amen? And so we see we can find joy through the birth of Christ because God fulfilled his word. We can find joy through the birth of Christ because salvation was offered to all of mankind. And then thirdly, we can find joy through the birth of Christ because the gospel began to spread. Look in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. I want you to notice a couple things in verse 15. One, the shepherds know that this is something that God has revealed to them personally. God has made known to them this great news of joy for all the people. It's been made known to all people, but they did not miss the you of the command. You have been offered salvation. And so what do they do? They tell the sheep, good luck, we're out of here. There's something of much greater importance waiting on us in Bethlehem. Amen? Shepherds never abandon their flock. I'm telling you. Shepherds don't leave the flock for any reason. But this night, they found it worth leaving their flock to go see this baby. They leave their flock. They make their way to Bethlehem because they want to see what God had made known to them with their own eyes. In verse 16, it says, And when they went with haste then and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured of all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds then returned, glorifying and praising God, for they had heard and seen as it, for, excuse me, for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Notice as Mary hears all of this information coming in, she is seen as pondering all that had been told her. We see early in the Gospel of Luke, she's pondering what the angel has told her. Mary's not doubting. Mary's not struggling. Mary's meditating on the goodness of God. She's thinking through what all of this means and all that God is doing. And she's pondering and meditating on God's grace in choosing her to be the mother of the Savior. Can't fathom that. Amen? Cannot fathom the humility she must have felt to have been chosen by God knowing that she's anything but worthy of that. Amen? And she's pondering, she's meditating, she's contemplating all that this means. But not the shepherds. The shepherds know what this means for them. Unto them has been born in the city of David, Christ the Lord. And so they come in, they tell everybody all that they have been told, all that's happened. They tell them about the angels singing out in the field. They, they, they tell them about all that had been revealed. They see the babe lying in the manger and they can't help but rejoice. They're glorifying and praising God because he really did send the Messiah. Amen. 
And then what do they do from there? They go out and they tell everyone what they have seen. The birth of Jesus Christ is too good a news to keep to yourself. Amen? The birth of Jesus is life-changing, eternity-changing news. And so after they had seen that God had kept His word, they told everyone. Understand, when we meet our Savior, we're to react the same way. We're to go to our friends, our loved ones, our neighbors, our family, our our community, the ends of the earth, and we are to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel message is true today like it was then. God sent the Messiah. He sent His very own Son to the city of Bethlehem to be born in a manger through a virgin, through the miraculous conception. Why? Because you and I are sinners who are separated from God because of the sin that's in our life. And our only hope of eternity, our only hope of a relationship with God is if somehow that sin can be taken away from us and cleansed and removed. And that only can happen through the sacrifice of a perfect, spotless Lamb of God. And that lamb was Jesus Christ. That lamb was the Messiah. And as Jesus comes to this earth, he's not just the babe in a manger. He is ultimately the son of God, God in the flesh, the son of man, our perfect sacrifice and representative who heads to the cross to die in our place so that the wages of sin, which is death, would be paid for on our behalf. So that if we would put our faith and trust in Jesus, then we would have the gift of God, which is eternal life in and through Jesus Christ. That's news that needs to be shared. Amen. And and I want you to understand, that's news that cannot come from someone just observing another person's life. That's news that can only be understood and proclaimed through the word of God spoken through the word of man. Amen. Oftentimes we think, well, if I just, if I just live a good enough life, others can see Jesus in me. Well, well one, I would say no. They're never going to f- come to genuine faith in Christ by just watching you live your life. And then two, I'd ask, how good do you think you're living? Because I don't want that burden on me in the way I'm living. I hope people can see the difference that Christ has made in me. But at the same time, I know how I'm living. And I know that if you look at me and observe me long enough, and I mean long enough, I mean like five minutes, you're going to see massive flaws in me. Amen? This this news needs to be proclaimed. We got to open our mouths and share Christ with others. So the question is, how do we do that? Because you may be thinking, well, I, don't, I don't really know how to do that, Will. How, how would I even go about that? Man, I, I love the shepherds. What do the shepherds do? Well, well, first of all, they just tell what happened to them. They just tell the story of how God revealed himself to them. How God made this known to them. And I would encourage you, if you want to be better at sharing the gospel... Practice sharing your personal story of how you came to faith in Christ. Share your testimony, right? 
Share, share how God changed your life, how God revealed himself to you. If you're here this morning and you've been saved, there was a moment that God made himself known to you, right? It may not have been as miraculous as this, right? Probably wasn't accompanied by a multitude of angels singing out where you could see, but they were there, they were singing, and they were praising God for your salvation. Don't think they weren't for a moment. They were. You just didn't get to see it, Amen. But it was that awesome of an event that they were praising God in heaven, right? And so you practice telling other people about how God has revealed himself to you, how God called you unto himself, how you put your faith and trust in Christ, how you've been walking with Jesus. And then, secondly, get real comfortable with the gospel message. You say, well, what, what's the gospel well, we know it's the good news. We've, we've heard that, but like, what, what actually is it? Well, well this, this is the beginning of the gospel right here that we celebrate at Christmas. That God sent his son Jesus, born of a virgin, to the city of Bethlehem. That this very same Jesus, who was God in the flesh, the son of God, went to a cross to die as a payment for our sins. He was buried because he was really dead. He rose from the dead because he had victory over death and power over death. Amen? And because his payment was approved by God. So he came. We, we got these little bracelets we do at first priority, right? He, 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 there's one arrow points down. He came. We celebrate that at Christmas. He died on the cross as a payment for our sin. Then we have a picture of a, of a cave or a tomb. He was buried. Because he really died. Then he, another arrow we have pointing up. He, he rose from the dead because he defeated death in the grave. And then the last, last symbol we have on that is an arrow coming down. You know why? He's coming back. Amen? He's coming back. Get familiar with the gospel. And it doesn't matter how you share the gospel. You can do the Romans road. Right? You, can, you can share it this way, you can share it that way. It doesn't really matter how you share it. Get comfortable sharing the gospel. You can share it with the person sitting beside you in your car as you're driving down the road. You say, well, there's nobody sitting beside me. Perfect. Right? That's perfect. Share it out loud to the nobody sitting beside you. Right? And, and get more comfortable hearing it. Get more comfortable declaring it. Right? Practice. We practice that which is important to us. We practice that which we want to get better at. Practice sharing the gospel. Amen? Or you'll never be comfortable. You'll never get better at it. And you'll never do it because of fear. This gospel is worth sharing. Amen? The shepherds go out. They proclaim it to others. Why? Because they found joy through the birth of Christ. They found joy that God fulfilled his word. They found joy that salvation had been offered to all mankind. They found joy and so the gospel began to spread. So how should we then respond to the birth of Christ this morning? Well, at first priority on Tuesday, uh, uh, Gary from Antioch taught the same passage and, and, and Gary said, I, I want to give you three ways to respond to this. And he said, I'm a, I'm a pastor, so we pastors like to alliterate things. He says, I'm going to give you three Ps, 
right? And then after he gave the three Ps, I said from the back of the room, Pastor Gary, I'm going to steal that for Sunday morning. I'll give you credit, but I'm going to steal it for Sunday morning because it was good, right? So I'm going to give you Pastor Gary's three Ps as to how we respond to this message. One, we ponder it. We ponder it. We do what Mary did. We, we, we meditate on the goodness, the grace, and the love of God. We, we ponder it, making sure that we've put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ as well. So let me ask you to ponder it. What does the birth of Jesus Christ mean for you? Have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Well, if not, today can be the day that you do. Amen. And you can be the reason that the angels rejoice again this morning. Maybe you have. Again, I would say ponder it. Don't let this become old news. Ponder it. Jesus Christ was born to be your Savior because God loves you. Ponder that. Meditate on it. Let that be what you think about this week. Ooh, I knocked it over. As we find joy in the birth of Christ. So ponder it. Secondly, praise God for it. What do the shepherds do? They praise and they glorify God. If you've been saved this morning, praise God for it. Amen. If Jesus Christ has made a difference in your life, in your family's life, your children's life, your grandchildren's life, your, 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 your community, if you see God working, praise God for it. Amen? And then finally, proclaim it. Proclaim it. It's too good a news to keep to yourself. Proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Ponder it, praise God for it, and proclaim it. Will you pray with me? Knowing that God, sending His Son into this world, is cause for great joy this morning. Let me ask you, can you rejoice in what Christ has done? You see, the only way to truly rejoice in what God has done is by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. God sent His Son into this world, born of a virgin, to die on the cross for our sins so that our sins could be forgiven. And the only thing that we must do is simply surrender ourselves to Him and then we will receive eternal life and we'll truly be able to rejoice in what Christ has done that we celebrate at Christmas. So if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today can be the day that your eternity is changed. You say, well, how do I know? Well, first of all, if you're here and you don't know Christ, and God is calling you unto salvation, you know. You, you can feel it because God is revealing himself to you. He's letting you know that this is true and that this is meant for you. So if you're here and you feel God calling you unto salvation, understand that that is proof that God exists. It's proof that God is real. It's proof that God loves you. It's proof that God wants a relationship with you. So if you're here and you feel God speaking to you, then this is your moment to respond. In just a few moments, we're going to stand to sing our hymn of invitation. As we do, you simply come before, uh, come, come, come to me and just say, Will, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to know everything I need to know. And I'll, I'll share with you what you need to know so that you can give your heart and life to Jesus Christ today. Believers, 
Let me challenge you. This Christmas, as you're out doing your thing, as you're visiting friends and family, go and tell others what Christ has done for you. Share your testimony. Let others know the impact that God has had in your life. And proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. And as you do, praise and glorify God for what he's done. So let's leave here today pondering, praising, and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you that you didn't just send your son, but you sent your son to die for us because you wanted a relationship with us. Lord, thank you for calling us unto yourself. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that today can be the day that they put their faith in you. Lord, I pray that as we leave here, Lord, that those of us who do know you, that we would praise you, we would proclaim you. And Lord, that you would go before us and prepare the way. We love you and we praise you, Lord Jesus. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.